Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah, just some regular reborn, reformed cats. If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that. Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night Immersed in sin, but then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God Divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life In hindsight, and was revealed Through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah. You are listening Hey, we're guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're going to be going over Nehemiah 7. Um, so it's been a quite a big break in between chapters. Um, Lee, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Nehemiah, we'll do. Let's go. Let's go one through five. Let's discuss that first. Cool. Okay. Now when the wall was rebuilt and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed, then I put Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Then I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot, and while they are standing guard, let them shut and bolt the doors. Also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem, each at his post, and each in front of his own house." Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. Then I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up first, in which I found the following record. All right, well, well, let's just stop there before we dive into the following records of the genealogies. So, So already we're introduced to Nehemiah's brother, right? Um, yeah. which is Hanani. Hanani. Whichever. Hanani. Watch me whip and watch me Hanane. So, <laughs> so watch me whip. No. All right. So, so verses one through three is basically, um, basically describing the security of the city, right? They're, um, repairing the walls. The builders, Instead of repairing the walls, so instead of repairing the walls, they actually repaired the gates. They started repairing the gates. That was the last part of the project, yeah. which was setting the yeah, doors. Yeah, you can't have a gates. city without gates. Right. I was intrigued by the uh, the command that uh, Nehemiah gives for when to open and shut them. In verse 3, he, he told them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot, and while they're standing guard, let them shut and bolt the doors. Right. So it was it was customary at the time that you you pretty much open the gates of the city at sunrise and then you close them at sunset. Right. So he's telling them here, don't even open it until at least probably like noon, you know, when the sun you get the noonday sun and the heat the the day begins to heat up. And I want and I wonder if it's a pretty conservative rule here. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh during that time of the day uh activities slowing so I wonder if that was like a security measure. 
Yeah, they're just probably closing. Th- that's it what up I for think. Tonight. Yeah, that way there's not so many there's not so many people coming in, in and out, in and out, in and out. Yeah, yeah. Potential yeah. enemies coming in and setting up shop. Because it's uh, if you go back to verse one, it says when the wall had been rebuilt. So at this point, the wall's finished, right? Yes, yes. but yeah, the walls are finished. But at the, the doors same, and the gates are set up. At the same time, it's not. He's still it's worried about. He's still worried about security. So he's appointing sure. all these people, and he's he, that. Uh, it what in verse three there, uh, opening the gates until the sun is hot. So uh, yeah. There's a big concern with security, even though the wall is completely finished at this point. Well, you know, when you think about it, you know, at the at the end of chapter six, you know, we kind of had the soap opera moment where, you know, oh, the biggest enemy was was within the community, you know. So it makes I, I could see the the logic in his mind. You know, we we have enough enemies within the city. The last thing we need to do is leave our brand new gates open and let new enemies pour in. Yeah, and and I found what's interesting. So as you get down into chapter uh, verse four and five, we see that Nehemiah wants to populate this town of Jerusalem with Jewish descent. He wants it to be pure Jewish descent in Jerusalem, which is which I find very interesting. So he's trying to bring Jerusalem well, back to its original right. He's back to its original foundation, um, God's people. Absolutely. Yeah, and he went and he, you know, well, well, we'll see here in a little bit, but, you know, they, they painstakingly check the family lineage of each, each person in each house to make sure that they are ethnic Israel and therefore would have a place in the city. Right. Because we're, we're cleaning up now after all this time in exile. You know, they've already, we saw earlier that they had cast off the people that had intermarried with with the pagan peoples from the from the area, you know, purged that evil from their camp to quote Deuteronomy, and uh, and now they need they finally have their they have the holy city back, and they need to fill it with God's people again. So it it, it makes sense as a as a restorative mission that he's on he's been on since the very beginning. This is just the next part of the they they've got the brick and mortar restored. Now they need people in the houses. Amen. Amen. Hey, man. Let, let, why don't we read um, 6 through 7, and then we'll kind of talk through uh, the list of names. Um, we're not going to hit every single one, but we'll, we'll kind of discuss a few of those. And then we'll jump right back into verse 45 and go from there. And then Yeah, because this genealogy is, I, I believe... <clears throat> Pretty much the same one from Ezra, Ezra, right? Yeah, it's almost identical, I think. Um, except it includes Azariah and Nahamani. Oh, okay. Nahamani, oh, whatever you spell that. Nahamani. Yep, yeah, that's it. Nahamani. Yeah, whatever her name is. Sure. Just go with it. Yeah, we'll go with that. I can't remember where I found that, but yeah. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his city, who came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nahamani, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispereth, Bigvi, Nahum, and Bana. 
Ba'ana. 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 Got that double A in there. Bahadu. Yeah, so we get This episode of Guys of the Bible is brought to you by Baja Blast Mountain Dew. (laughs) That stuff's so good. So good. Oh, my word. All right. Yeah, so so it, it goes back to what we said before. You know, there the Jewish people had a vested religious interest in keeping excellent family records. Um, we see that Nehemiah's recovered a record from before, and he cross-checks it against the community that's in Jerusalem right now. Um, yep. Even down to the number of how many people are in from each family, from each tribe. Yeah, basically, these are the people returning from exile, right? From from Babylon. Um, yeah, this is the same with Ezra. That is correct. Ezra two, chapter two, um, is basically the same list as in Nehemiah seven, and uh, this includes eighteen families and clans, um, or as the Nazbi would say, houses. Yeah. Which I kind of I kind of like that as you know households because you've got you have the tribal distinctions and then within the tribes you have individual houses headed by uh, an, a male elder and then people beneath him, uh, which is kind of nice. So, as we as we, <laughs> as we count as we count these up, the uh, Nehemiah's grand total of people um, came out to be like. 49,942 people, which is very close um, to the total of people that was in Ezra 6, 2, 64 through 65. Um, but Nehemiah included singers, which um, had 45 extra people as singers. So that's what derived the total. Um, in Ezra, it had 49,897. Um, could, that, could that have been new... Uh, new members of the family that have been born, which yeah, which could possibly have been post. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask: Is there a time period? Did he look back at Ezra's census and use that, well, or or did he make his own? Well, he, they say that Ezra's is probably the most accurate for recorded total. Okay, um, right. So. I would say probably he recovered this census, and he probably ran a census of his own right. and compared it against. I was going to say, and like double-checked it, maybe? Yeah. He was a smart administrator. I, I figured that would probably be the most prudent thing for him to do. My comment on this census, though, is that even though, well, at one point Ezra and Nehemiah was one book, but it, it helps to, this census by itself helps to anchor these two books together and show that, you know, you really should treat them at the same time. You know, you should read these books with each other. They're, they're completely, they're completely linked with each other. Yeah. And I think this census helps that, that point, it, it anchors them together. It, it connects them. Right. And Nehemiah's census could also include women and children, which Ezra's possibly excluded, um, which is why the numbers could be different. They they do different things. Um, so as we get into verses 70, um, as we get into verses 70 and 72, um, it says, Some from among the heads of the fathers' households gave to the work, 
the governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas, 50 basins, oh, yeah. 530 priest garments. Some of the heads of the father's households gave a treasury of the work 20,000 gold drachmas and 72, oh, whoops, I read the verse. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, 2,200 silver minas, minas, whatever. Um, That which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas and 2,000 silver minas and 67 priest garments. Um, Now the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their cities and when the seventh month came, the sons of Israel were in their cities. So Okay, okay, okay. Can, can I talk Jewish calendar right now? Go ahead. Boom. Okay, awesome. All right, so I, I was very excited by this. Um, it's another... I know we've talked in the past about how, how impeccable God's timing is on things. We talked about that in Ezra. We've talked about it early in Nehemiah. This doesn't this have to do with example. a vacation to Israel, does it? Yeah, I have, no. I have a feeling. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, good. It really doesn't, actually, I promise. Oh, it can be if you want it to be, but it's no. okay. No, nope. So, on my trip to Israel... <laughs> so... <laughs> has nothing to do with Israel. something... <laughs> kind of. Well, I mean, it has to do with Judaism, if that helps. So the seventh month is really important because there's one very specific Jewish holiday that occurs in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. That day is the Day of Atonement. Ah! And it's a perfect it's a perfect example of God's timing that the entire community would be moved in, registered, houses scrubbed and ready. Everybody's in Jerusalem now. The work is finished, and the very the very next few days, essentially, after everybody's settled, is the Day of Atonement. And we've seen the motif of sinfulness struck through this whole thing. That's the whole reason that the Jewish people were in exile. Um, they are rebuilding the holy city of Jerusalem to uh, to get to the place where they, they will repent of the sin that drove them away from Jerusalem. So the res- restoration of the city... Um, is also a signal to the restoration of the hearts of Israel to the covenant that they had broken, and that's that the the relationship of the next chapter where we have the law read, um, the people come together and repent is all wrapped in with the observance of Yom Kippur, and, and I also think it's a, a, which is oh, September go, go ahead, October, right? Yeah. Of course, you know, it's a lunar calendar, so the, the day itself floats from from our perspective since we're on a solar calendar. I, I, I can't remember what day it's on this year. I'd have to look it up. But Also, if you, if you read here, uh, let's see. If you read, actually, it's at the beginning of Chapter 8, but it plays into the timing of this last part of ch- Chapter right, 7. Right, 73, yeah. I think it goes um, all the way to Verse 9 in Chapter 8, it, it, it says in, in eight, yeah, eight verse one. It says all the people gathered together at the square in the front of the water gate, and basically, the scribe Ezra read the book of the law to Moses uh, of Moses. Well, hello, Ezra. So, 
this also indicates if if you that seventh month, uh, it was an it was really important to the Jewish calendar, not just because of the Day of Atonement, but it was also their new the year that the month that they celebrated the New Year. Uh huh. And every seventh year on the seventh month, they celebrated the festival of booths. And that is when they would gather and the law would be read to them. (laughs) So we know that. So we know that the timing was, you know, it was that increment of every seven years. And that was at Mm -hmm. this point that they gathered. So that makes God's timing even better. Totally true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Festival of Booths, that's, that would be an important one for people that have just come home from a long exile. You right. Know, you'd, you'd think they wouldn't have to celebrate that. They've been in exile for long enough. They literally just got home, and now they have to do the feast where they remember being in exile. You, know, you can't get too comfortable when you're constantly reminding yourselves of when you haven't been allowed to come home. Boom. That's that. I just wanted to drop that bombshell on you guys. Way to go! That's great. You did good. Thanks. It now my head hurts now. Do you guys just want to continue in chapter eight? We're only uh, nineteen minutes. I got nineteen in. minutes. Yeah, we can if you want. We might as well. So, as we dive, since seventy three runs straight into chapter eight, we might as well just go ahead and go through. Um, Let's do it. So we know that the the calendar month here in chapter 8 is between September and October. Um, And then Ezra is reading the Law of Moses. And Ezra had returned to Jerusalem in 458 B.C., which is around 14 years before Nehemiah. Um, Also, with the blessings of the king of Artaxerxes, as we found in chapter 7 of Ezra. Um, his primary purpose in going to his homeland was to teach the Jews God's law, basically. I mean, that was pretty yeah. much his prime prime goal. Um, oh, yeah. And, of course, Ezra and Nehemiah were contemporaries. Um, Ezra's descent was from Eliezer, Aaron's third son, and is seen as... Um, as a teacher among the Jews in this during this time, right? So uh, we get into chapter 8. He's teaching God's law, and then we're back to the Feast of Booths, right? So let's, let's dive into the Feast of Booths, and let's really just sink down into there for a minute. Okay. Um... And one other thing about the place where they gather, um, the, uh, the water gate is, uh, um, a, it was in a section of wall in the old city. So it wasn't up like, like one of the gates to enter to the temple. Um, but it's believed that the water gate opened on to the Gihon spring, which is the spring that feeds Jerusalem with clean water. Right. And I think it's kind of fitting that that's where they'd gather because essentially, in reading the law and uh, calling the people to repentance, they are, you know, being sprinkled with clean water, uh, as it says in uh, in the New Testament, um, in the in covenant renewal. So I kind of like that that detail. You know, they're they're being cleansed. They're they're repenting, 
uh, it makes sense to have that clean water nearby as well. Right. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Feast of Booths, it's interesting that, that they would be celebrating it now, like we said with the timing, since it's they've just come back from exile. Right. Yeah, and we find this in uh, Leviticus 23, uh, verse, I want to say 46, am I right? Or no, it's, or is it like, four, no, there's not 46, 43. Oops, sorry. Oop, oop, oop. Yeah, 43. Feasts. Um, 30, yeah. 23, beginning in verse 33. 40, 42, yeah. Is that when it's all? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, chapter 23, yep. starting in verses 33 and yep. 34. Again, or as the CSB calls it, the Festival of <clears throat> Shelters. Or Temple. <laughs> you know, there, um, there's the, the practice in contemporary Judaism uh, that when you go out to your yard to make your, your booth, your shelter, your whatever you call it. Your tent. It actually has your to. Your tabernacle. Your tent. Yeah. It has to, but your when you construct it in your yard or wherever you do it at, you specifically have to have uh, an opening in the ceiling of it so you can see into the sky. Right. Uh, which I think is an, a nice detail because it, it not only shows the impermanence of that shelter, you know, meaning that, you know, we are going to be going home, but at the same time, even when you're out there in exile, you're looking up to Yahweh for your help. Right. Yeah, and I, I, let's just go ahead and dive in to see, tell them what, what this is. So in th- verse 33 of chapter um, 23 of Leviticus, it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the 15th of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths, seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall do no laborious work. These are the appointed times of the Lord which you shall proclaim as holy convocations. To present offerings by fire to the Lord, burn offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each day's matter on its own day. Beside those of the Sabbaths of the Lord, and beside your gifts, and beside all your votive and free will offerings, which you will give to the Lord, on, exact, on exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days, with a rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for its seven days. You shall thus celebrate it as the feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout... Statute. Statute. Whatever. <laughs> Statute. I thought we covered this. I thought we did this again. All right. <laughs> Statute throughout your generations, and you shall celebrate it with the seventh month. You shall live in the booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in the booths, so that your generations may know that 
I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. Very nice. When you read the uh, palm fronds and bows of leafy trees and willows of the brook, uh, it reminded me of when Christ returned to Jerusalem. on. And they laid down palm branches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of interesting. I don't know if there's actually a connection there. There might be, but it just reminded me of that one. Yeah, I'm not sure if there is or anything. I haven't really dug into that very deep. But Statutes. Just, why do I keep calling it statuettes? Because it's awesome. I don't know why I keep doing it. It's an awkward word. You're oh. forgiven. But you know what? It, it must be really faithful and true because the CSB still uses it. All faithful statutes. and true. Trademark. Do they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, still yeah. uses statutes. Must be a good word. It, it must be if it's in here. Gets me every time. <laughs> Gets me every time. Now, I'll read it in my head perfectly. You know, I'll be like, statutes. But then when I read it out loud, I go, statutes. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? But anyways, so. Uh, I know we're, we're running close to time here, yeah. but there was one detail I wanted to look at in um, verse 3. We can see kind of uh, some examples of the ordinary means of grace being shown here in their worship service that they have right um that they have basically the pastor the 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 prophet the the scribe at the pulpit doing public reading of the word exhortation the kind of thing we would expect out of a sermon today he's surrounded by the elders the elders of the city um that are on his right hand and on his left hand um they they praise god with uh lifted hands they bow and worship uh, there is confession and prayer later, and I'm, you know, it's safe to assume they're going to be singing the psalms, uh, at, at, or not the psalms, but singing praises to God at this point. Yeah, yeah, because if you continue to read on at um, verse six, in, in mine, in my translation, it reads, "Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they knelt low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So it was, it, was a, it was a corporate worship service here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got, you kind of see some of the ordinary means of grace communicated there. Public reading of the word. Um, right. Um, there's a prayer there will be a prayer at some point. There's confession of sin. I mean, these are all these are all things that that you would expect even of a of a New Testament worship service uh, under the new covenant. Um, God's never changed His means, you know, by which He communicates grace to His people prior to Christ's incarnation and after. Right now, isn't it interesting how God sent a preacher and a teacher? Ezra as a preacher and a teacher, but also a shepherd like Nehemiah, how he gathered all the people of Israel together, and then he had them build the city back to its original state. God has always, God's never changed his means by which he communicates grace to his people, uh, either prior to the incarnation of Christ and after. You know, it's, it's reliance on the written word, the study of the word, 
it piercing our hearts, bringing us to repentance, faith, and joy, and worship, and then going and doing as as we're taught. Um, none of that's ever changed. It's it's always it's in the same continuum. And fortunate for us, we get we get all those things in Christ now, which at that time they had, you know, the shadow, and we have the substance now. But they had the shadow, but it took a few people to to deliver that at that time. And in in God's grace, He provided the one the one person who could fulfill all those offices and more and be divine, uh, and that would be Jesus Christ. Yep. All right, Sean, where can they find us? Well, you can go to our website, guyswithbibles.com. You can read our blogs and listen to the podcast from the website. Or you can also go to iTunes or Google Play or uh, Overcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts and search for Guys With Bibles and subscribe. From there, that's probably the best way to do it. Uh, You can get on Facebook. Any of the social media, main social media is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, search for Guys with Bibles and join up. Follow us. And you can email us at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And uh, any questions you have, comments, you don't like us. I don't whatever, even like just, us. Uh, just send. Yeah, I don't like, I don't, especially you, Lee, I don't like you. Yeah, I know. Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, even. But, but uh, just send us whatever on uh, to our email, and I think that's it. Did I get everything? I think so. All right. All right, Lee. This is Guys With Bibles, and we're out. Damn. fine you don't even have to wash it out and it smells good you smell lemons all day